Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back, Canucks After Dark, July the 14th. It's a Wednesday, uh, our second Wednesday episode back to back here. Uh, and uh, we're keeping up with the Wednesdays for a little bit here because there is going to be so much to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And today is no exception. And as always, I am joined by Canuck Clay. How are you doing, Clay? Parker, I wish that I felt and looked as good as you do right now. I'm a little bit disheveled, but that's okay because I'm disheveled. You guys can see I'm in a different uh, environment. I'm still at my office, just came off a work event, still sweating, just chucked off the tie, but you have my full and undivided attention. I'm happy to be here on a Wednesday night. Yes, it is our, our July, Wednesdays of July, isn't it? Yes, yes, because uh, if you guys didn't know, a week from today is the Seattle expansion draft, and wow. two weeks from today is the opening of free agency. So we will be coming to you live uh, every night that's important, basically, this month. And that is including, uh, basically, the draft, the expansion draft yes. next Wednesday, uh, f- next Friday for the NHL draft, the first round, and, of course, the Wednesday, July 28th and as always uh look the last couple of weeks it's been kind of tough we haven't had a ton to talk about because nothing's really happened (laughs) but a lot has happened this week duncan keith the abbotsford canucks brandon sutter uh braden holtby zach parise uh ryan Souter, pierre mcguire there's so much stuff for us to talk about and i don't know how we're going to fit it all in an hour but we are going to do our best uh, and as always, while you guys are here, we can see you in the chat. And of course, now on our new software, we're able to pull up the uh, we're able to pull up those comments like this one from Agam saying uh, Gravac for Abbotsford captain. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we can see you guys here. We encourage you to keep chatting. And uh, if we need topics later on, which I don't think we will tonight. But of course, as we talk about each topic, we like to get your takes on them and then we can pull them up on screen and show them. And if you're listening to the audio version, thanks. That's good uh, as well, even though you're not here live, a little less fun for you, but glad to have you on board as well. No, what a difference. You're right, Parker. What a difference. Because I won't say that we were stretching for topics to talk about, but let's just say the middle of July feels a lot better than the middle of June. Wouldn't you agree, my friend? Absolutely. And it's, it's also just like everything's happening so fast, right? Because it's, of course, it's a condensed off season, right? The Stanley Cup was handed out a week ago. Uh, and we're at the point where it's like, all right, the new league year literally starts in two weeks, right? Like we're two weeks away from it being officially the 2021-2022 season. And yep. a ton of stuff has to get done before yeah. that can happen. And uh, we just got to hope that uh, we don't run out of time. <laughs> it's you, you make a good point because as much as we got excited about these next two, two and a half weeks, Canucks have been very quiet. Aside from the announcement that we're going to talk about, Canucks have been very quiet over the past couple of days now. There's still a couple more days until they every team has to submit their expansion, their their protected list. So there's could be a trade or two in the works in the next two days. There could be a trade or two in the works between the time that we submit our list and the time that Seattle names it. So there's still time for sure. But I I, I don't know what you Parker. I'm getting a little bit. I don't know if it's antsy or nervous. I just I just want to see something happen, man. Yeah, it's it's just the excitement, and I always get to this thing where it's like uh, there, there's like news coming and like something's going to happen, and I am nervous. And I am excited all at the same time because 
I, I'm scared that it's going to all go wrong, but I'm also excited to have something exciting to talk about, uh, whether yes. it's whether it's good or bad. So, of course, we've got a lot to talk about, and you said you don't have the document up today, so <laughs> yes. I basically have to run the show. Uh, it depends. Do we want to start with the Vancouver Canucks? This is Canucks After Dark, but yeah. on the NHL, there were some more pressing things. Uh, where do you want to start today? I th thank you, Parker, for deferring this this one decision to me. Let's go. Canuck we are Canucks after dark. Even if it's say in the priority, you know, list not as high. I still think we got to start with our bread and butter. So let's go Canucks first, and then we have the rest of the time to talk about the, well, the entire league. Well, hold on. When you when you talk about the Canucks, now there's a, there's a couple things you could be talking <laughs> about here because I don't know if you realized, but we are now not only Vancouver Canucks after dark, but we are now also the Abbotsford Canucks after dark. Uh, because I guess the Canucks were feeling just so creative uh, over the last couple of months here, uh, really brainstorming all these different <laughs> names that they could uh, really invigorate the fan base with. And they came up with something so original and <laughs> just so classy and clean, the Abbotsford Canucks. <laughs> now, this is funny. I'm laughing for a couple of reasons. People say that we get along well, we have good chemistry, and it's, I, I agree, we do, especially considering we've never met each other in person. And I, I think it's good because we're both relatively, well, we're, we're both good looking, we're both intelligent, we're both good communicators, but a lot of times we don't always disagree. Like we seem to have a very similar take, maybe that's why we get along so well, but I know this is one where you would have loved a different name and I'm completely fine with this name. I really am. Yeah. See, the thing is for me is, look, at the end of the day, I don't, it doesn't matter, right? Like it really doesn't, but it's just not very fun. <laughs> and I feel like that's, you know, the, the Canucks have always sort of had this, um, this, you know, this facade of being sort of not very fun, right? There's always been sort of the, oh, well, the lower bowl is all suits and it's all <laughs> just a corporate environment and it's all just a big money-making scheme. And, and, you know, now we're getting to, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of fun now building a brand wise. It makes sense. Right. right um, and right. I think there's like seven other teams in the AHL that are, that are doing a similar yeah. thing. Um, I just thought it was a, a fun, a, a real opportunity to sort of just be like, all right, this is going to be our fun town, right? Abbotsford, yeah. we're just going to, we're just going to have fun, cheap tickets, cheap beer, fun name, fun jerseys. Let's, let's make it a little wacky and have some fun, but they went with, you know what? Let's keep our brand image. Let's, let's stick yeah. it uh, all in one sort of, I get it. I just, they, they teased us. They were like, oh, you know what? Maybe we're going to go off the board here and do something fun. Aces, uh, aviators, mm -hmm. Avengers, mm -hmm. something weird. Right. And then they're like, yeah, by the way, no, it's, we were, we were doing this the whole time. Like it's just the packs. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't hate it. I just think right. it was a, it's a missed opportunity for right. some fun. So 100% Parker, I, I hear where you're coming from about a missed opportunity. I look at that. Yes, you're right. There are six other AHL teams that have the same thing. And uh, I, I do think when someone puts on, when a player puts on an Abbotsford Canucks jersey, and I, I've seen some, some, you know, people talking about it in the chat, you know, we are all Canucks takes on a whole new meaning. We joked about Canucks after dark, which I actually, you think I felt, I thought about that. I didn't even think about that before we, we pressed record. Until I said it. <laughs> no, no, that was very smart then. But I, I think there's a certain amount of pride that comes with putting on a Canucks jersey. And maybe for, you know, we're not talking about a 10-year a veteran who gets sent sent down to Abbotsford, but a, an upcomer, a prospect, maybe, you know, it's not going to make a difference to his play. But I think for, from an identity standpoint, a branding, a pride standpoint, it, it doesn't hurt. But yes, I do not disagree that they did miss an opportunity for something different. But they are trying to rebuild this brand after a really tough year. 
And what better way to do so than to keep the same name and keep it unilateral, unified. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm okay with it too. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, Jason Bruff had a good tweet, a, a good take today, and he was like, as lo- I don't care, just develop some good players. <laughs> and at the end of the day, look, that's all we care about, right? Whether yeah. the Canucks, the millionaires, or you know, whatever, uh, yeah. the farmers, you know, take your pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As long as they have a good system in place, they can develop some prospects. That's really all that matters. Um, so at the end of the day, look, yeah. there's, at least it's in Abbotsford. It's not in Utica. So uh, I think we can sort of take our win there. And you know what I learned, Parker, over the past five days is the venom, the craziness of Canucks Twitter – Notice I didn't say Vancouver Canucks Twitter. Canucks Twitter is already apropos part of Abbotsford Canucks because we know that when they delayed the Friday announcement to today, Wednesday, there are some people that were like, that's cool, that's cool. They got to do what they got to do, get all the ducks in a row. But there are a lot of people that were were flipping mad. They were upset. And then they find out it's because of an emergency health issue in for someone. We don't know who. And now they kind of look a little silly for being so upset. And then even today, I don't know what you're doing at 10 o'clock. I admit, I was refreshing the, the Twitter feed a couple of times and people were also upset that it was 15 minutes later, whatever. And then, then they were complaining that it was an underwhelming announcement. Like, what do these people want, man? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, so I remember, I think it was Sakaris who had a tweet last week when it got delayed and he was like, yeah, it's kind of on brand, right? For, yeah. For the Canucks. Yeah. And then it comes out and then it's like, oh, it was actually a family emergency. He's like, okay, well, that's not a great look. And then, but then the Canucks tweeted out themselves like i think it was on like friday the canucks tweeted out on their main account like we had to put some finishing touches yeah. together or something right yeah and it's like okay well that's not saying like it's a family emergency they're just saying like <laughs> oh we just we just weren't organized enough and then i the stockton heat put out a tweet today uh that was like uh, it was like, yeah, we would have waited too, or something like that. Like it was uh, just a bit of shade. And then a lot of people in the comments are like, hey guys, they said it was a family emergency. Maybe, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, like the the messaging was so inconsistent. So you know, I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna get mad over any of that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of a sort of a messy a messy introduction. Yeah. So we're at ten o'clock. Were you refreshing, or were you? Did you forget about it, or did you I remember? Was, or what I was doing? busy with work stuff, um, but I, yeah. I saw after after the call I was on, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, yeah. well, that's cool. Like, that's kind of lame. I kind of expected it because it was sort of the rumor that was floating around from last week. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wasn't too angry. Sure. And I noticed maybe not that your videos or my videos are the basis of all things Twitter. But I didn't see you or me running to our computer to or running to our phone to record record a video today. I noticed, yeah. <laughs> no, because I mean, I mean, I don't know what I could have, what could I have done to make this this interesting, right? Right, right. Like, I, I, I would be like, oh yeah, they're the same name. Uh, they have green jerseys, so that's yeah. fun. I'm yeah. glad they did that. Honestly, I they yeah. they needed to do something different. I yeah. don't love the logo. Um, I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't think it looks great on a Jersey. Like I don't hate mm. the idea of the Johnny Canuck logo. Right. Right. I mean, you look at the jerseys, the giants put out last night. Uh, yep. I don't know if you saw those. Yeah. Those, that logo looks great. Oh, like that, those jerseys yeah. are outstanding. Yeah. I yeah. think this, this Abbots for Canucks Jersey, barring the logo, I think it's excellent. I like the mm-hmm. green, the sleeves are awesome. The stripe. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. It looks really good. I just don't love that logo on it. I think yep. they could have done you know, uh, a different logo, (laughs) but you know, at the end of the day, uh, sure. And I know there are, yeah. And a lot of people in our comment section, especially Lucas and which is awesome. They're really big AHL fans and know a lot more than AHL. Then I won't put you in that boat, but definitely more than me. But question for you, Parker, are you going to buy tickets to go see this team? I'll go to a couple games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get like season tickets or anything. I think, I think it's about probably a 
30 to 45 minute drive for me. So it's not, yep. you know, at the end of the day, it's about the same amount of time for me to get there as it would be to a Vancouver Canucks game. So yeah. at this point, it's like, you know, I'll go to a couple games just for the experience, right? To say I went yeah. and see what yeah. the vibe is like. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not going to be going to every game or anything like that. Um, but I'll definitely swing by uh, for a couple. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what kind of dent, if at all, this puts into the Canucks season tickets because I know that it's me and Mike that have seats one and two. The guy who owns seats three and four, who I sometimes do some goofy intermissions with, he actually gave up his Canucks season tickets and in, instead is going to put his time and energy into the Abbasur team. Granted, he lives further out there, but I, I wonder how many people are going to do that. Yeah, and it's I'm sure it's cheaper, right? Yeah. You know, if, yep. if, if all you want to do is see some, some decent hockey, uh, yep. which... I mean, it's not like it's not like you're going to Canucks games for high level hockey at this point. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> you know, maybe you know you go you go to some AHL games. You're paying yep. maybe a, a third of the price, uh, especially if you live out there, right? You don't have to. It's not a whole evening thing like yep. it is to to make your way out to Vancouver, get into the city. Um, so you know, I kind of get it if you're not basically if you're not like Surrey or Burnaby Coquitlam uh, or West, then it's kind of I, I can definitely see the value proposition there. Can you put up, is it Agam or Agam? Uh, Agam. Agam, his last two. Imagine your friend says he has connection tickets and it ends up being Abby. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. And then he says, realistically, the skill <laughs> level for both teams is the same. Uh, I mean, yeah, you look at the, the roster from a couple of, from a few years ago yeah. when, yeah. you know, uh, it's not much different. Uh, so, but you, but in all seriousness, let's say you are. You were a Utica Comets season ticket holder in the past few years, or maybe a few years ago. You would have seen guys like Demko and D, D Pietro go through. Yeah, there's certain guys that didn't. Those guys that came straight to the NHL, like the Pedersons and Hughes of, of the world and the Besters. But still, you would have seen a lot of our, our prospects. And that's cool. If you're into that thing, that that's awesome. This is a wonderful opportunity to see our own prospects homegrown in our own in our own town. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it just depends on how many prospects they have. Uh, at True. This point, right. Good point. You know, the, for a team that's been in a rebuild for, you know, seven, eight years, we're kind of, the, the cupboards are getting a little bare already. So especially with some rumors that, you know, the ninth overall pick could be in play, oh. um, which I mean, let's transition to that. Sure. Um, I, I came out, I guess, uh, Ian McIntyre said uh, on, uh, on 650 today that uh, the ninth overall pick is in play. Hmm. Um and then, so I, again, I, we don't really know what that means, right? Are we talking about, you know, trying to go out and get a really good player for that with that ninth overall pick? Are we talking about shedding a, a bad salary? Um, let's sort of run the gamut here, Clay. What are you, uh, what do you think of when you see that the ninth overall pick is in play? I, I want them to keep it, Parker. I really do. You, you kind of hinted at it. Once you have Rathbone and Paul Colson playing on the big club this year, who really do you have? Like... I'm interested in Aiden McDonough. I'm interested in Jet Wu, but these aren't game breakers. These aren't franchise ch changers. We do need to restock. You can't restock if you're trading away first, you know, first round picks. I get that it might help bring in a, a free agent. I get that it might help Jim Benning be aggressive, but all things being equal, if they say that they're nine guys that they, they like and they have the ninth overall pick, you know, they're going to get a guy they like supposedly. And if a surprise guy goes, we've talked about this last two podcasts, then they might have a choice of two or three guys. So in my heart of hearts, I want them to keep it. I can understand why they're thinking about it, but I want them to keep it. Yeah. And it's, you know, you look at all the teams that have built contending franchises over the past, however many years, right? Yeah. They have, 
you have players on cheap contracts to yes. supplement you you know if you can have a guy on an entry level contract in your third line instead of a guy making two million dollars three million dollars right that opens up just that little bit of extra space to go spend somewhere else and maybe yes. overpay a better player a little bit to get him to come here and and yeah. start to use that um now we had a couple a couple of people brought up some decent ones uh, like like justin in the chat saying uh, there was a rumor of saying something like ninth and Erickson to Detroit for 23rd. Um, and I, I saw this one as well. I think I saw it on, on Reddit uh, the other day. Wow. Uh, and I mean, you look at it and it's like, well, okay, you're going down 14 spots. You're dropping out of like the, the, the players who are not sure bets to make the NHL, but usually top 10 in a draft, they're going to play games. They're probably going to play, you know, a few hundred NHL games at, at worst. Usually yep. um, dropping 14 spots really lessens your odds of getting a a star and especially you know just a decent role player even um to get rid of the last year of louis erickson's contract to me it just seems like you know it's it's just again mortgaging the future to try to make your team a little bit better this year look it's six million dollars for one more year yeah you said you the general manager has said we're two years away anyways who yep. cares about this year then let's yes. you know send them down to the ahl it's it's yep. it's not it's not a six million dollar hit it's a five million dollar hit because you can you can send a million dollars down at yep. that point is is five million dollars on your cap for one year really worth dropping 14 spots especially if you know you still have uh beagle roussel um you know all uh, the luongo recapture you still have all these things on the books for one more year just let's just wait till next year when all that money gets freed up. You're right, and we've talked about 18 to 20 million bucks coming up between Erickson, Roussel, Beagle, Holtby, and the cap recapture penalty. So, speaking of which, there might be some other cap recapture penalties, which is pretty exciting. We, we won't have the only one, but we'll talk about that later. But yes, you're right, Parker. If it were two years away, let's not try and speed that up by year at the risk of losing what could potentially be a, a top six forward or a top four D man for sure. And who, sure. do you th who do you think is more likely if you're two years away? Let's say your window is two years from now, and let's say you're trying to compete for a Stanley Cup uh, two years, three years, and four years from now. Who do you think is making a bigger impact? The guy you pick at nine or the guy you pick at 23, right? The guy you yep. pick at 23 might be another whole year or two extra until he gets to where that right. ninth overall player might be, right? right? So you're again, you're just sort of pushing it down the line and lowering your chances of getting a good player. Sure. And there are exceptions. I saw someone said Brock Besser was 23. And I get that there are certainly exceptions, but we have to talk. You have to play the percentages. And obviously, yep. nine sounds better than 23rd. I agree with you, Parker. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're in, in agreement. Uh, don't trade the ninth pick, but the fact <laughs> that it's the fact that it's being floated scares me a little bit. Um, but I guess, you know, we'll, we'll have to find out. Uh, and like we said, we will have a show Friday, uh, July 23rd, the night of the NHL draft. So if that pick does get moved during that draft, we will have a lot to talk about Absolutely. Uh, on that night. Um, sticking with the Vancouver Canucks, is this the end of the Brandon Sutter era? Uh, Edmund says in the chat here, uh, word is that Sutter is not coming back. Is this good or bad? Um, I mean, so obviously his contract expired um, and we sort mm -hmm. of floated the idea of we could bring him back million dollars a year because he's a fine fourth line center at the end of the day. But I remember this is something you said is, do you need Jay Beagle and Brandon <laughs> Sutter? Because at the end yeah. of the day, if you have both of them in your lineup, you probably have an issue at the center position. Um, yeah. 
let's hear yeah. what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, uh, not much to add from last week where we we kind of joked about how they're not similar. They're not identical players, but they're similar. And they're not identical players, but they're redundant. They do a lot of the same things well. Penalty kill, defense, leadership, face-offs. And they, they are also deficient in a lot of the same areas, i.e. scoring and skating fast. So um, I, I don't know... Yeah, I've heard that. That's the biggest change, I guess, with Brandon Sutter since last week, Parker, when we recorded, is that, yeah, there, there's a story out there that uh, Ellie, I think Elliot Friedman was one who yep. said he's likely not coming back. So uh, I, I I don't go dancing in the street or dancing in my backyard, which we were joking about earlier. Um, I don't do that. But uh, I do think, you know, uh, this is uh, the, the Canucks showing that they don't have to necessarily re-sign every single one of their respected UFAs, especially if it's at a redundant position. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're trying to improve your team, you know, you yep. want to come back next year with a better team, you can't come back with the exact same players, especially yes. when, um, oh, actually I lost it. There we go. Uh, if, especially <laughs> if your bottom six was a big issue this season and a big reason that, you know, the team wasn't able to compete this year. Um, if you bring that exact same bottom six back, you're just, you're just mm. running it back with guys who are now a year older. Um, you know, even if it's a few million dollars cheaper, uh, you got to start taking some new bets elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. So he'll find a, he'll find a team, right? There some, a team will pay him a little bit, uh, maybe not overpay him same like they would in previous years, but they'll pay him for his leadership for every, all the good things we talked about, but we already have guys similar to that. Um, so we don't need to. Absolutely. Fully no. agreed there and our yep. last our last canucks really related topic mm. um was the rumor from uh rick dollywall coming out today uh, on his show saying seattle is definitely looking at Braden holtby saying some teams are calling jim benning would vancouver have to retain salary so seattle's wow. looking at holtby this is weird to me and i think we <laughs> we went over this uh you know there's a lot of backup goalies that I think are going to be available in the market this summer. So if you're bringing in Braden Holpe for veteran leadership and a guy who can play 40 games, it's like, okay, but you can find someone to do that for a couple million dollars less than what Braden Holpe is making next year at 4.3 million. Yep. Um, now, other teams calling Jim Benning uh, is interesting and would the Canucks have to retain salary? Um, that's where I start to get a little bit intrigued. Yeah, this one's weird, man, because I remember, and it just, uh, we have, we didn't know each other then, but I'm sure you were saying the same thing. When we signed Holtby for that two-year contract last summer, we're like, okay, this makes sense. Now we can protect Demko and no worries for this expansion draft. And if Holtby has a really good year or a decent year, yeah, Seattle will take him for sure. Then he didn't have a good year. The whole team didn't. And they were like, there's no way that Seattle's going to take him in his bloated contract. But then he has a decent April, May, right? A little better, not great, but a little better. And then we start hearing these rumors that Boston may be interested. And now Seattle's going to be interested. I'm surprised. I, I, I am. And I, I don't mind it if it happens because that's, that's yeah, four and a half million dollars, 5.7 in real money that, that you don't have to pay. Or I guess that's the whole point of why we may have to retain though. But I, I could see why Seattle's thinking this. It, let's say that they, they're not going to get to the salary cap. They're going to have money to spend. They, you could pair them up with, a, I think you said Jake Allen, and then I've heard Aiden Hill's name. I've heard like, uh, yeah, put him with two younger guys. He might be that third goalie that might be really good, and he might fight his way onto the roster as a second goalie. Who knows? Yeah, and I think if any of this were to happen, I mean, I think we're looking at happening after 
So if, if Seattle were to take him, um, mm -hmm. which again, mm -hmm. I think would be silly because they can pick someone that's not going to be literally a negative value contract on their <laughs> books next year. They can pick someone, you know, even like a, you know, like a high more who's going to be literally free on your cap because yep. you can just send him to the AHL um, if he's not good enough. Um, you know, picking that contract up. Uh, and the thing is, if Seattle doesn't make that move, if the Canucks were to make that trade, you'd have to think it would happen after July 21st because the Canucks do have to protect a or expose a goalie, right? In this case, that's Braden Holtby. Yeah. So if, if we don't see Seattle pick Holtby, it doesn't mean it's over and they're not going to be able to trade him. Uh, that would be one of those things that maybe after you know the few days after before the draft at the draft something crazy could happen um what would you be willing to do with Braden Holpe on the salary retention side oh man it's so tough Parker because it sounds like Aquilini has opened the the money floodgates so to speak and he's not he's willing to spend this year but when it comes to cap you can only spend up to 81 and a half and Every little dollar, every little, every dollar is big. Every dollar counts. We keep talking about these Pedersen Hughes contracts, how it's going to be 13, 14 million combined and how that only leaves the Canucks with so much. And they have to watch every dollar they spend. So do you want to, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, so, so when they, if they retain salary, they don't retain cap, right? They retain, they just have to pay out the money. Is that correct? Well, you would know you'd, you'd, if you retain salary, you retain half of the cap. So if, okay. you to, if you were to retain 50%, yeah. so yep. he makes 4.3 million. It counts so, against your cap too. Yes. So you could, you could retain 2.15 yeah. of that, or you could get another team to do another 50% of the 50% right. and, and, and make it. So it's like a million, but I don't think they're going to get that complicated. Okay. okay. Right. They could in theory, um, trade him to a team, keep yeah. 2.15 million on, on the Canucks cap. And then you might actually be able to get some minor asset in return, right? Because yeah. the team is now getting a backup goalie uh, that might have starter potential or, or can at least play 30 games pretty reliably mm -hmm. um, for $2.15 million, maybe a mid-round pick or a late-round pick for that uh, going into the draft on draft day. Um, yeah. But then, if you're the Canucks, then now you have a spot to fill. Sure, you've gotten $2.15 million off your books, but yeah. now you have to use that to bring in a backup goalie who might cost you a million and a half, $2 million. So sure. this is where it starts to be. Are you making moves for the sake of making moves? Yeah. Um, or is this actually something that's going to help the team out this year? Now, if it's literally a move that saves you half a million dollars this year and nets you a sixth round pick, <laughs> I mean, sure, do it. Why not? Right. You're going to lose. You're not re-signing Holby next year anyways, probably right. You're going to have right. hopefully DiPietro coming in or a different backup. So I think if, we sort of know what Holpe is, a known quantity at this point, probably right around 900 save percentage, probably going to play 30 games mm -hmm. um, behind a, a starting goalie uh, and probably win 11 of them. Um, yeah. So at that point, why not take a shot on maybe a goalie who isn't as proven? Maybe he's only played 100, 150 games total yeah. uh, that you can maybe get for just a little bit cheaper. And I mean, he, he's not going to do much worse at worst, but he might also emerge and, and play pretty well in a backup role. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, if, if, if everything comes together and you can make something happen, go for it. But if not, I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like, y'all, it's almost ready to just, just ride it out. Uh, like the Louis Erickson contract, let's just wait. Yeah. It's over in a year anyways. Uh, and you know, we'll see then.
No, I appreciate you clarifying that retained salary. So that that strength is my point is if you're still at a premium, if right, a free cap space is a premium, why would you want to retain salary even? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Can you please put up uh, Justin's from a, a couple? Yeah, no DPH won't be able to handle 20. So here's the thing. You're right. You're going here. If, say, Seattle does take Holtby and we can't get a veteran, I think we should bring in a veteran to play, like you said, to, that's done 100 games or so as opposed to DiPietro. We're all excited about DiPietro, but if you say that Demko starts 60, 50 to 5 to 60 games, let's say he wins 30 to 35 of those, which is pretty good. Right. You still need your backup, as Jeff Patterson says, you need your backup to win 8 to 10 more games, right, of the 20 that he plays. Is DiPietro that guy? Can DiPietro win half of his games yet? As much as I, li I like him, I'm not convinced that that's the case just yet, especially with a subpar team in front of him for this season. And he hasn't played a professional game in like a year. Oh yeah, that right? too. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like he literally, like he's he hasn't played. So like, are, are you really gonna throw a guy who played in the AHL literally 18 months ago almost at this point yeah. and be like, all right, now you need to play 25 NHL games this year. Uh, good no. luck. You know, <laughs> like I, I, it's a real, it's a real risky move that that could sort of tank your season if it doesn't go well. Uh, so yeah, I think you know, let's say Seattle does take Holtby, then yeah, the Canucks need to be working hard to to find a guy that can you know play 20, 25 games. If DiPietro needs to come up due to an injury and play four games, look, that's going to happen to every team. Every team yep. has a goalie get hurt at some point third guy comes in plays a handful of games it won't kill your season as long as you have two decent goalies uh in yes. front by the way parker do you know of any other 47 year old man who drinks juice boxes i did notice that uh but hey you know it looks like you got uh, what was that 60 percent of your vitamin c in there for the day so uh, <laughs> very good yeah <laughs> great so you're set uh, <laughs> there's a lot more where that came from literally yeah okay <laughs> nice thank stay you, hydrated you. perfect thank you thank you um <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's keep going through. I mean, we're kind of done with with the Canucks topics here, oh. but so much stuff happened in the last like few days. Like mm. basically Sunday forward, uh, it was just news after news after news. Yeah. And the biggest one is uh, is Minnesota buying out the two players that they signed together, however many <laughs> years ago, um, for outrageous sums of money i think what was this eight years ago they signed these guys like yeah nine million, yeah nine contracts. years to thir nine to 13 year contracts that's right because they have yeah. four left yeah yeah so <laughs> this is the thing right when you when you make a buyout like this where um the contracts you know had um money up front we're looking at uh, i don't have i actually i have it here um this is just dead cap so in reality, they would have had to spend, I, I don't know what their contracts were together. Was it like 15 million bucks a, a season when you combine them? Something a little more than that? Yeah, more. Yeah. Either way, they are now paying out over the next eight seasons, over $50 million to the two of them in just dead money. They're getting wow. nothing out of it. Now, Parise, I kind of like, I, I didn't, didn't surprise me a ton, but, but Suter's still a, a solid defenseman and, you know, four years left on a contract, you could have waited till next year and, and cut that length of the buyout in half, but I have the numbers here. So mm. next year, this coming season, uh, it clears up about $10 million in space for them, right? They're okay. paying, they're going to pay seven point or 4.7 million dollars in dead salary or so. Um, now, so great, you know, $10 million more to play with going into the season, but now you also lose one of your top defensemen. And you know a, a middling forward at least. Yeah, um, old guy. 
But then for the three years after that, 2022, 2023, $12.7 million in dead cap. Uh, 23-24, $14.74 million. 24-25, also $14.74 million. So that is three years where in which probably two of those might still have a flat cap on them, or at least one of them, where they are going to be paying 14, uh, a bit over $14 million to nobody on their roster, basically cutting their salary cap down to about 67, 68 million bucks. Um, and then after that, the four years after that, they're going to be paying a, about one and two thirds of a million uh, for each of the next four years. So the while they're done, right? <laughs> like, how can you like they're they're they were finally just starting to to turn over a new leaf with you know Kaprasov and they were looking like they actually could start to compete and start to have a you know a decent roster put together here and and you know make the playoffs and then we look at it and it's like okay well maybe this year they can do something they just freed up 10 million dollars but they do have to sign Kaprasov but then the 3 years after that they're going to have to just rebuild like they they have they they have no money like what are they going to do it's ridiculous. And I actually was impressed by Minnesota in the in the regular season and especially in the playoffs. I thought they could have beat Vegas, you know. And then I yeah, you look at Kaprizov, you look at Fiala, you look at the fact that these guys th- there's potential there. And then yeah, they're not going to be able to do anything. Anything. F- 15 bucks in whatever. It, it, that's almost 20%, 15 bucks, 15 million. That's almost 20% in yeah. dead cap space. 20% it is yeah. It's eight, ridiculous. It's, it's literally eighteen and a half percent of their salary cap is tied up to players that aren't on their roster. Um, and then it comes out that Kirill Kaprasov was offered, I think, eight years at eight or nine per. So he was offered by the Wild basically a sixty-four million dollar contract. Okay. He said no. He said no to that much guaranteed money. Because wow. he thinks he's going to be a ten or eleven million dollar player. What that also says to me is, do you really want to hitch your wagon to this team that literally for the <laughs> eight years of your contract that you're signing, they will still be paying Zach Parise and Ryan Suter? Wow. Uh, at that point, you know, like it's it's just it it just doesn't work. <laughs> like like if I'm Kaprasov, I'm thinking, hey, yeah, this team's decent, yeah. and they're gonna we're gonna have some money to play with this year. Uh, but then after that, they have zero dollars for the next three years. I have no chance of winning, and he—he's, you know, he can just leave at that point. And why wouldn't you? That's so crazy. Imagine, imagine if he does. Imagine if he did accept that eight-year, eight million dollar. So then, for you know, in three years from now, that means twenty-three million. <laughs> Of the 82 million salary cap would have been in one player that's playing for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a player so what, who's, who's played one yeah. NHL season. <laughs> so, uh, Parker, help me and help the, the listeners and the w- viewers figure this out. Why did Bill Guerin do such a move? Is it because he had to max, he thought he could maximize it now? It had to be, right? Because it cleared up okay. over $10 million for this year. For and, this year, yeah. But. Do, were you looking at the wild this year and thinking, oh, they're close. Like they're on the edge no. of competing. No, they're a bubble no. team. That would be like, that would be like the Canucks going into this off season and saying, all right, we need to trade our first to get rid of this Erickson contract, uh, get out of these Beagle and Roussel contracts. Cause we're going to bring in a couple more pieces and we're going to go all in this year. <laughs> it would be a ridiculous move. It wouldn't make <laughs> any sense. 
this whole move doesn't make any sense. Like I, I, I saw it like all over Twitter is people trying to figure it out. Like it's like um, uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny with like the the dart or the the cork board with all the strings going everywhere. Like how do these numbers work? They just don't. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, but I, I guess Minnesota is they have to just be starting a full on rebuild at this point um, because they're not going to have any money to bring anyone in to compete for the next four years. Wow. Wow. So are you going to Bill Guerin and saying, uh, don't protect me this Saturday? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to like, yeah, maybe I want to go to Seattle and, 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 you know, be on a, on a team that has some people that make reasonable contracts. I mean, unless they get Braden Holpe, then, then who knows what they're doing either. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a crazy move. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, they are literally going to be paying 50 million. I think it was like I did. I added all the numbers. It's like 54 million dollars to two people who aren't going to play for them over the next eight years. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. crazy. All right. Uh, let's stick with uh, old players, old <laughs> hockey players. Um, yep. Let's go. Oh, there's two options here. We're going to go with. Pekka Rinne, uh, yes. announcing his retirement. Uh, goal NHL goal scorer Pekka Rinne uh, announcing his retirement. Um, I mean, literally one of the best goalies over yep. the past 15 years in the NHL. Um, won a Vesna. Uh, I think he. I think he's fifth all time in Vesna vote percentage. Uh, wow. Only, that, I think that only goes back to 1980 or so when the Vesna yeah. was introduced. Uh, but still, over the last 40 years, being number five, uh, I think I think Vasilevsky's top 10 already. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so Pekka Rinne, um, you know, he's been great for me in fantasy. Um, but uh, announcing his retirement uh, at the age, how old is he, 38? Yeah. 38 years old. And he, to- Parker, total uh, epitome of kind of underrated, unnoticed, you just rattle off some of his stats, but I would say guys in the past 15 years like Lundqvist and and Price and Jonathan Quick, you would say they were Luongo, were much more decorated than Rene. Um, not all those guys, uh, some of them went one Stanley Cup, but not all of them. And and of course, Rene never won a Stanley Cup, got close. But uh, yeah, I think really uh, underappreciated. He's just so good, so big, so efficient with his movement. And I, I've heard from all the things I've heard, like a really good person too uh very likable yeah it's uh it's too bad but um i i don't even know did he have a good year last year i i didn't look it up he yeah. had a he played um 24 games 284 goals against average 907 mm-hmm. uh, save percentage so respectable like but, a yeah. low tier starter still uh he could have come back and made a few more million dollars but uh i guess he uh i, I think he made enough money in his career where you know I'd, I mean, we don't see Nashville, you know, competing for a cup this year, probably. So right. uh, at this point, retiring a predator, 15 seasons in the NHL, yep. uh, overall uh, excellent career. You know, that that one year we had a 930 save percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a, just an excellent goalie for about 13 out of his 15 seasons. Um, yeah. An eighth round pick in 2004. <laughs> Wow, we don't have those anymore. Nope. I see a lot of people in the chat saying that he's automatic uh, Hall of Fame material. Uh, I, I would say he's Hall of Fame material. I don't know if he's automatic. There are a lot of good players that aren't getting I even saw an article in The Athletic that's saying the Sedins are up for getting in, but they might not because 
it's a combination of two years this year because there's no induction class last year. So right. you never know. You never know. But yeah, I think he gets in. He might not be first ballot. Um, yeah. But I, I think at the end of the day, look, he he was one of the best. He was one of the best in the world at his position for a prolonged period of time. Uh, he played for teams that were never really excellent. Yeah. Like, I mean, they they had that one year where they made the Stanley Cup final uh, against Pittsburgh, but no one really expected them to to win it. Um, you know, it was kind of like, all right, Pittsburgh's just going to win another one. And, and, you know, Nashville gave it a good run, kind of like Montreal this year, right? Sort of, sort of a similar, you know, they, 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 it didn't look like they were going to, they were going to win it. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, he, he played, he had, I think eight playoff appearances, eight years in the, in the playoffs out of 15, you know, just not the best team in front of, you know, you could, you look at Luongo who never won a Vesna, but he consistent, he played for the Canucks through their, you know, their stretch of, you know, the best teams in history for the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, so he got a little more notoriety and then the gold medal and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, I, I think Rene just never really got, uh, got that chance. It's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about Luongo versus Rene in my head too. And I'd say with the, the peak Canucks of 10 or 11 years ago, yeah, they had some good guys on defense, but they were, they had good offense, right? The Sedins and Kessler and Burroughs. Whereas Nashville teams, you always think of their defense first. When Subban was there, you think of, you know, Ekholm now, you think of Ellis now, and you think of other guys. Yeah, Yossi, of course, yes. And you don't really think of their offensive guys. Yeah, Philip Forsberg's good, you know. Duchesne was good when he was there, and Johansson's good. But none of them are mass. mass. So is it a product of him being really good? Is it a product of his defense being really good? Or likely a combination, bit of column A, bit of column B. But yeah, they weren't the most exciting, sexiest, flashiest team. And maybe that's another reason why he didn't get, say, as much credit or notoriety as the other goalies we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And speaking of former Nashville Predators uh, at mm. this point, uh, Shea Weber will looks like he'll be exposed in the Seattle expansion draft due to injury concerns. Now, not often that you see a captain of a team get exposed in an expansion draft. Yeah. Um, but it looks like, you know, he's got a lot of injury issues. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I think it was like three different yeah, talk, bad issues. T- talk, talk me through this one, Parker, because I wasn't on Twitter tonight because of my work event, but I heard about it just as I was driving in to work this evening. So, yeah, I, all I heard was injury, and I heard going to miss next season and i heard won't be protected yeah so uh this is i'm getting this from friedman uh, on yep. sportsnet's website here uh, yep. a left foot slash ankle problem that has threatened his career uh he missed two weeks with an injury in february 2020 there uh he had surgery in march 2018 to repair tendons in that area there's been a worry for some time that this problem would become too much to handle uh he also had a thumb injury uh, in the postseason which is why he didn't play in the end of the regular season uh, it's believed to be significant as well. Uh, he had surgery for a meniscus tear in his knee in July of 2018. Uh, at the end of the day, he's just has so many health issues. Mm. Uh, and look, if, if you have a foot or an ankle injury that is career threatening, it's going to take a while to heal. And, and they've said it's likely that he doesn't even play next season. Um, so at this point, exposing him makes sense, right? Because right. Seattle's not going to take a shot on that. Uh, on that yeah. contract, right? It doesn't make sense. Right. So this way, uh, this would allow you to then go and protect yep. uh, Jeff Petrie, Ben Sherratt, Joel Edmondson. You can then yep. get all three of those guys protected instead of maybe losing Sherratt or Edmondson right. um, while protecting Weber. So in my mind, yep. 
makes sense uh, from the the Mark Bergevin side. But yeah, it just sucks to hear that that Shea Weber is going to yeah. be uh, probably sidelined for all of next season. So is it true, Parker, that if he retires, if he retires because of his injuries, is Nashville going to get hit with a cat recapture penalty? I don't think that's what would happen because okay. I think he would just go on to LTI most okay. likely, um, okay. similar to you know what Luongo did uh, until he didn't. Yeah. Um, I think uh, yeah, I think at that point they would just say, all right, he can't play because if you have a severe ankle injury that you're going to have to get surgery on or foot injury that you have to get surgery on and it's going to make you miss a season, you can probably play that off until your contract's over as, yeah, it's I'm still not going to play on this because it's, it's yeah. that bad. Um, so at the end yeah. of the day, I, I don't think cap recapture is going to happen. I think the Canucks will be the only team to ever be affected by cap recapture. Uh, and uh, Shea Weber will just LTI into the sunset uh, unless right. he's able to come back after next season. And it's funny, Parker, when I asked that, I didn't look in the comment section. And as I was asking that question, I see Sammy, I see Agam, I, I see a couple of them writing about it. So I, I, yeah, I don't know, but it's probably something we should, we should figure out. Yeah. I think uh, the way the contract was put together, um, and this is sort of the, the way it works is yeah. basically if you pay more than the actual cap was. So let's say you, you sign a guy 10 years, $10 million, make the math easy. Uh, 10 years, $10 million, but you actually pay him, you know, $16 million for the first three years of the contract. And then he retires, right? Yep. Well, you've now paid him $48 million over three years. So you've gained more benefit. Basically you've paid more than the cap. So yep. they have to go back and take that extra money. Uh, okay. So because this contract was so front loaded uh, by Nashville in this case, uh, Nashville has Nashville basically was able to pay him a lot more than actually hit their cap. Uh, so they would get hit with the cap recapture. I think Montreal might have negative cap recapture <laughs> at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I think they have paid less than his cap hit, but I don't think it works that way. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think that actually get salary benefit from it. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, Nashville would get hit hard, which is why I don't think it would happen. I think it would just be LTI uh, right, until right. the contract runs out. Yeah. So we're looking at the difference between LTIR versus retiring, obviously, and what trigger one triggers the cap recapture cap recapture penalty. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Uh, so yeah, Shea Weber uh, out. And then our last, uh, the last thing that I had noted here uh, on our long list uh, of topics here, Pierre Maguire. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> oh, actually, no, I did. I also did miss a topic, and, and Agam note points it out. Yeah, people, yeah I, I had this at the top of my list, and yeah. I went Canucks first. This is way more important, and we should have talked about this earlier. That's my bad that I, I missed it. Let's here. do it. Uh, Let's do it now. Duncan Keith <laughs> traded to the Edmonton Oilers for Caleb Jones and a 2022 third-round pick, indicating that Duncan Keith had positive value on his contract that is crazy to me but uh, you're telling me parker chicago must have retained some salary right otherwise why would edmonton do it chicago must have retained 50 percent of duncan keith's salary and that's why edmonton did it right right of course yeah because you know he has 5.5 million dollars left it for two more years uh that's way too much money to be paying a 38 39 40 year old defenseman who is Clearly, at the end of his at the end of his uh, playing career, riding off into the sunset, you'd think they'd have to take fifty percent back to at of least course. get anything. Of course, uh, but note: Ken Holland says 
that they wanted that salary. Give us the money. We want to spend all of our money and, and take on that cap hit because we want to defy the odds. Um, this makes literally zero sense in my <laughs> eyes. You, and you can say, oh, well, Duncan Keith knows how to win. Uh, yeah, when he was a way better player. Yeah. Uh, Duncan Keith has all this playoff experience and leadership experience. Yeah, well, he won a cup like six years ago, but yeah. what, like they haven't done anything since then. Uh, you know, he hasn't, hasn't made the playoffs. Like, what good is knowing how to win in the playoffs if you haven't won in the playoffs in six years? Um, it's it's crazy to me. Look, the real money is next to nothing. I believe it's literally. I think they're going to have to pay him three point six million dollars yeah. in real dollars. Yeah. Uh, so if it's a penny pinching move, whatever. Uh, I guess I guess you did great. Yeah. Um, but you're going to be paying this guy $11 million over the next two years who, sure, he was technically Chicago's number one defenseman this last year because he played like 22 minutes a night. That doesn't <laughs> mean he was their best defenseman. Um, yeah. I, I don't have the advanced stats up here, but like a 45% Corsi, um, 44.6 goals, four percentage. Like he, he's not the player he used to be, right? He used to yeah. be this two-way force, you know, a guy who could go in and, and put up, you know, how many points did he have some years? Like 61 60, points yep. in yep. one season, yep. 69 points in 20, in 2009, 2010. That's so good as a defenseman last year, 15 points, um, you know, in 54 yeah. games, he's, he's not, you're not getting that two way value. This contract was signed uh, back in lit back, literally 11 years ago. This contract was signed on December 3rd, 2009. Um, because they were going to get so much value out of the first like seven years of this 13 year contract. And yeah. the, the end of it would be, you know what? Ah, we're going to, we're going to eat that because it's going to give us a better chance to win Stanley cups now. And it worked, but then they're, they're still able to get value for him at the end yep. of it. I, I yep. don't get it. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, I am so confused. If I'm Connor McDavid, I'm like, what are you doing? This isn't going <laughs> to help us win. Uh, it's, it's just a ridiculous move. Remember when Ken Holland was was rumored to maybe be an option for the Canucks yeah. to to bring in like a year or two ago? Man, it, I yeah. I don't I don't know what else to say. It makes no sense. Just imagine, it's basically it, it's not a perfect comparison or perfect analogy, but just imagine how elated we would be if we were able to trade Louis Erickson six million, five and a half million, right? Six million salary cap, and then we only owe him three or four million. Or not even because a lot of his cash has been paid out, and then we get like a third line, uh, a third pairing D man, and a third round draft pick. We'd be over the moon. We'd be, we'd be saying, no, this is this is make believe land. This is fairytale land. We'd but be over the moon if we only had to give up a third <laughs> to get rid of Louis Erickson, let alone get one. yes. Because I think everyone looked at this Duncan Keith deal and said, look, yep. if they're not retaining any salary, then they're gonna have to, then they're gonna have to give up a second round pick or something to get out of these yes. last two years. Cause $6 million, five and a half million dollars yep. uh, for a guy who literally has almost no value except for leadership and intangibles. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And it's just, yeah, it, it just, you, you kind of said it leadership, intangibles experience. We've seen it. You overpay people overpay for those type of things. They're important for sure. They're, you can't, and I could see maybe a, a small, maybe a big part of it was, hey, bring in another locker room leader for the McDavid's, the Drysaddles, the Yamamoto's of the world, so they can have another veteran. But not, no, it's you're hurting your team by doing this. I, I don't get it either. I don't get it. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got people like free McDavid. Uh, McDavid has to ask for a trade at this point. McDavid wants out at this rate. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's it doesn't if I yeah, if I'm McDavid, I'm like, look, I'm stuck here for another. What is it? Five years, six years. Uh, and I have a GM who's who values um, just overage leaders, uh, yep. which I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean a lot at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Uh, There's also a quote from Ken Holland. Uh, about having to overpay a winger uh, in free agency because like the winger market is at a high and he, and they were, so I think someone like a reporter asked him like, are you willing to overpay for a winger? And he's like, absolutely. Because it's what you have to do to get a player. And it's like, wow. You just said, yes, we're, we're going <laughs> to overpay. It's like, okay, well maybe instead of seeing this market inefficiency that's going on and be like, well, maybe we can exploit this. Maybe we have a winger who's, <laughs> who's overvalued by some other teams instead of being like, well, I guess we got to overpay to get one. Uh, yeah. cause that's what the market says. It's like, well, you don't, you don't have to, like, you don't have to do what the market says. You can try to try to exploit it, try to find a better deal. Uh, I think, you know, you're, when you're, you're in this you know, old boys club of not good GMs going from, you know, Shirelli to Ken Holland, uh, you know, this is what they, this is what they signed up for. Yeah. I know a team that's got a couple of overpaid, uh, uh, wingers, but I don't know if they'd be overvalued though, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe we can get something <laughs> for, you know, a little Antoine Roussel, maybe get a, maybe get a second round pick back. Look, he's only, he only makes $3 million uh, and it's only one more year. That's just such good salary yeah, efficiency. That's a second round pick right there for sure. Absolutely. I think, uh, Jim's got to get on the phone. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Anyways, I think that's all I really have to say about the Duncan Keith trade. It's a, it is a resounding win for Chicago, um, getting value and, and yeah. taking $11 million off the books. Uh, it is a win all around, and it's a win for the Canucks at the end of the day. Look, it's, yep. make, it's likely making the Edmonton Oilers worse uh, because they could have used that $5.5 million to bring in two equally good players or one way better player. Uh, and instead, they bring in a 38-year-old Duncan Keith. I think he's 38. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't want to do the math. It just tells me the year. 38. Uh, his 38th birthday is in two days. Okay. Um, it's, well, happy yeah. birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, Duncan Keith. Have fun <laughs> in Edmonton. Uh, All right. Let's do 90 seconds on Pierre Maguire and then wind up by taking some questions. So go for it. Why? Ottawa, <laughs> why? What's what? What benefit are you getting? Is there... Is there no one better suited for this role than Pierre Maguire? Could you not have gone out and said, look, we need some player developers. Let's go look at some young up-and-comers in the that are developing players in the AHL or even in junior, and let's find someone who's got some new smart ideas instead of, oh, let's get the guy who used to be in management, didn't do a great job, and now is on yeah. TV, and he, he knows literally everything about every player. But that doesn't really help for development, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, eh, I don't get it. You want to hear something crazy? Uh, I've had people on Twitter, not recently, compare me to Pierre Maguire. Hopefully, they're not talking about my lack of hair or my glasses, but attitude. They, they kind of see like his <laughs> positivity, his jovial, jo- whatever, jovialness or joy is kind of like mine. And, but that's where hopefully the similarities end. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't know much about him. I, on TV, sometimes I think he's funny. Sometimes I think he's a little annoying. But he was fine. I didn't mind him. I didn't mind him when he did his hits on TSN. But I don't know how much he's got in terms of what he's being hired for. 
Right. Recent, recently, recently. If you're trying yeah. to bring someone in for name recognition and, yep. you know, to as someone be like, well, look, th- this is a guy who is proven in the in this field. Pierre Maguire is not your guy because people don't have a very positive, glowing opinion of Pierre Maguire at all in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I, it just, I can't see the angle that this makes sense. I'm sure you could have hired someone for less money to do that job that might have done a better job. Um, right. But hey, good job, Ottawa. You're you just keep making <laughs> excellent decisions. Eugene Melnick is uh, is clearly a mastermind uh, in the hockey world. Yeah, you know, as goofy as they are in their front office and in their management, they actually are going to have a pretty good team in the next couple of years. We we saw a bit of it this year, but it's too bad that their yeah their teams. I mean, their their management's a little goofy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that's our time on Pierre Maguire. We're done. Yeah, that's our time. We are done with Pierre Maguire. Uh, we've got about four or five minutes left in the show. So if you guys have anything that you want to ask us, uh, any topics that we didn't cover, a ton of stuff happened, so it's very easy for us to miss stuff when we're putting the notes together for the show. Um, like I missed the Duncan Keith thing, even though it was on my notes. Uh, if you have questions for us, then uh, we have Nicole saying, did you see the, uh, let me see how I can pull it up. Uh, Elias Pedersen shooting some pucks today. It was good to see, yes. The fact that he wasn't shooting pucks until today is kind of worrying to me uh, because, you know, this wrist injury that was supposed to be a couple weeks uh, took till July 14th until he could shoot pucks. Um, But at least he's back at it. Yes. Uh, But do we know that this is first day shooting? Maybe he just didn't post. I th- I thought I saw something that said he's like, he's back shooting pucks again. Dang it. Um, Okay. Yeah. Like (laughs) he's got, he's got two months till training camp. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. He really wants that new contract. That's why he posted that video. <laughs> Wanted yeah. to show that he could still go top shelf, right? Yes, yep. of course. Oh yeah. I mean, I could, I can shoot the, I can shoot the puck in a basement into a net. But either way, uh, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not gonna make seven million. Sorry, Parker. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna make twelve either. Uh, <laughs> Good point. All right, you can grab the next one here. Uh, let's uh, uh, actually put up Easton's. What do you think, uh, Schmidt can fetch? Because I, I saw some other people asking. So, yes, we, we joked around. We talked about the Duncan Keith trade for about eight minutes there. You know, Schmidt, it, it, he doesn't have the pedigree that Keith does. He, he does and he doesn't. Like, he's younger, obviously. He's got a lot of potential still. He had a really bad year, though, but so did Keith. I, when you think, though, that we got, we only had to give up a third rounder for Schmidt, I, I don't think we're going to get much higher than a third rounder back, quite frankly. Um, and then as we talked about last, last week, it's almost like if that happened, if we traded Schmidt away for a third rounder, it's like, well, we, we got a, we had Schmidt for a year basically. And that, and that was the kind of the, the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So may, maybe you get a, a second, a low second. I, it's so tough to say, but what trade value does he have right now when he said that he wants out, when the Canucks said they're trying to move him and he didn't have a good year. Would you rather have Duncan Keith or Nate Schmidt? I'd rather have Nate Schmidt for sure. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, this is why, this is why none of this makes sense to me. It's like, yeah, yeah like we can look at Schmidt and be like in a vacuum. It wouldn't like, he's not going to fetch a lot. His contract's not great, but Duncan yeah. Keith just got a, a, a third pair defenseman and a third round pick. Yeah. We, we live in a weird world where nothing makes sense between NHL GMs. Uh, so I could see Nate Schmidt literally having negative value. And I could see Nate Schmidt getting a late first round pick at this point. Wow. Because nothing makes sense anymore. Tough to say. Yep. Good point. Um, Marcus, uh, are the Canucks still considering trading for Sam Reinhart? Now, this was sort of a loose rumor, I think, uh, at best. Um, what Would you be interested in bringing in a Sam Reinhart at this point? 
It depends, honestly, Parker, on who I talk to and what I listen to last. Like sometimes I get really excited about a yeah, local boy and uh, bring him back, and uh, and then y- it'd be worth it because he's established second overall pick. And then other times I say, well, maybe I don't know if it's because he was in Buffalo, but he hasn't really. His stats are okay; they're they're good, but he's not top of mind for me. And anytime I hear ninth overall pick in that, I kind of want to keep our ninth overall pick for everything we talked about in the first ten minutes of tonight's podcast. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, look, you're like Sam Reinhardt, great, you know, Vancouver kid, uh, only 25 years old, uh, everything's right there. But yeah, do you want to? Again, it's it's this window that you're trying to make for yourself. The more high picks you have, and the more good prospects you have in the system, the longer you can stretch that window out. But you bring in Sam Reinhardt, and you have to pay him. Well, now suddenly that window gets a little tighter, and every yeah. little move you do that pushes you to compete makes that window a little bit tighter now look it would be a great addition to the team but at the end of the day it is probably making your window less likely in the long run i agree let's end with this one lucas uh, connect versus seattle because i think that's a good that that i did this come out since our last one i think it did right the seattle preseason so we know they're playing six games. We know two of them are against Vancouver. Their first one in Spokane against us, hosting us. And then the last one on October 5th, the last game probably before the regular season, we are hosting them. Would you would you make the trek down for a preseason game to Washington State? I would if it wasn't Spokane. Yeah. Uh, Spokane's very far away. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's a lot further my, than Seattle. Yeah, for I sure. Forgot, I forgot where Spokane was. And my fir- first thing I thought about it, I was like, oh, it's like Everett, right? And I was like, oh, I'd go to Everett. And then yeah. I'm like, wait, no, Spokane's like the opposite side of Washington. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, it's- I'm not going there for a preseason game. Um, but yeah, I, I would go probably not for a preseason game unless it was like an hour away. Yeah. Um, but if it was like actually in Seattle, then probably not. There's going to be one at Rogers Arena, um, yeah. the last preseason game, I think. Um, yes. Which, you know, maybe I'll swing out to. Um, but at this point, I'd rather go to the uh, to the to a regular season one. Exactly. And it's funny, Parker, that's my dilemma. It's, it's not a dilemma. First world problem. That game, the, the Seattle in Vancouver at Rogers Arena is on Tuesday night, October the 5th. Tuesday night's usually my league bowling night. It is a preseason game where traditionally Mike and I give away those tickets, right, to people who, who usually can't go to regular season games. So there's part of me that says, no, stick to that plan, bowl, give away the tickets, make someone happy. But there's a part of me that will have serious FOMO, right? Am I going to be upset that I missed the very first time the Seattle Kraken were in our arena, even though it's an exhibition game? Tough to say. I guess I got three months to figure it out. I don't think anyone's going to remember the preseason game. Yeah. Uh, unless anything goes, like, unless something crazy happens. Uh, unless, yeah. like, Louis Erickson scores a hat trick. <laughs> um, like, I think... I. Th- or like Pod Colson does something crazy, right? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think everyone's going to remember the first actual important meeting, whether yeah. that, I'm sure that's, did they say the opener or was that just the preseason opener that they've announced? I don't think the regular season schedule is even Correct. put together yet. Correct. Um, Correct. But if, if, you know, opening night is in Seattle, you know, and, and it's, you know, opening night against the Canucks, then yeah, that's a game I want to be at because yeah. that's going to be, you know, a, a, an important game historical wise and just, it would just be a cool Thing to see the first Kraken game in you know the new uh, Climate Pledge Arena. I could see it happening that Saturday night, October the 9th. I, actually, I don't know if the season can start that early. The 12th. Okay, so starts. it has to be the next week. Yeah, but yeah, the Seattle's very first home game, heck, their very first home away game, could very well be against our Vancouver Canucks. 
Absolutely. All right. Yep. I think that is a good place for us to wrap up tonight. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As always, and if you missed any part of the show, you're on YouTube. You can just rewind it if you want to watch it tonight, or the podcast version will be up just shortly after the show uh, in the next couple of hours. So if you want to listen on your way to work in the morning, you can do so there. Make sure you go subscribe uh, on the YouTube channel here if you haven't already. Hit the like button and go subscribe to the podcast version. And if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it out during the next show. So make sure you do that. Uh, Clay, any uh, parting words here? Yeah, Fangirl mentioned that we missed Don't Do That. Yes, we did ram right through it, but that's because we had so much to talk about. So maybe missing our, our favorite staple of our show, maybe don't do that, but that's okay. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there you go. Justin <laughs> says don't do that. But in all seriousness, um, I could tell, Parker, we had so much to talk about. We ran, ran way past an hour, and that's with basically no prep. Well, I'll give you credit. You did some prep. I just turned my camera on two minutes before we started, but... We can tell there's a lot to talk about. We did exactly 30 minutes on the Canucks. We did 30 minutes on other NHL news. There's simply going to be more of that to come. And heck, by the time we get together a week from now, we're going to be talking about which Canuck player was lost to the new Seattle Kraken. Yep. So guys, make sure you are subscribed because literally next Wednesday, July 21st is the day of the expansion draft. Uh, and we'll be live at 10 o'clock as usual. Uh, and also, of course, two days after that, the NHL draft, the first round, will be live for that as well. Uh, excuse me, at 10 o'clock Pacific and after free agency's first day, we'll be live again at 10 o'clock. So a yes. ton of great shows coming up. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, and we hope to see you guys next time. Have a good one. Good night.